Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert, Don Pizzette. Security specialist, Daniel Lowry. And Peter. Hello and welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, joined as always by Don Pizzette, who's always in that green shirt. Don, do you have other shirts? Well, you told me I'm not allowed to wear a logo shirt, right? So I had to, this is my non-logo uh, attire. Well, and we, don't, we don't have Technado logo shirts yet. And it's in my icon. So Apparently uh, I didn't get that memo. <laughs> <laughs> I wear a logo shirt. Yeah, Daniel, who never listens, yeah, is also here. Daniel, how are you? I'm doing very well. I'm finding it interesting that my wife is already trying to plan for my daughter's birthday who have their birthdays on the same month just two weeks apart from each other and i'm like we got some time it's it's a while before oh no 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 so yeah seem to do that every year crazy <laughs> <laughs> when, when's the birthday i'm a little like yeah that's happening <laughs> nice <Yeah>. try <laughs> <laughs> all right and we're also joined by rita gurovich who is the president and founder of sphere technology solutions rita how are you good good how are you uh, excited to be here. We're probably better than you because you're you're up in like there's a winter hellstorm, right? <laughs> I, think... I don't know what happened in February in New Jersey, but winter came full steam. Yeah, it <laughs> That's is for sure. <laughs> I think it's 65 down here today. Oh, oh, it's gorgeous today. So, yeah, it's a, that sounds lovely. Yeah, we have a little bit of rain. I think they have White Walkers up there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they've breached the wall. Yeah, I think the walls of Canada, right? I think that's where yeah. it comes down. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, and we want to get to know you a little bit more. So let's go ahead and jump into our first segment: rapid fire questions. Who do you work for? What's new? Who are you? What's happening? What's wrong with you? All right, Rita, in this segment, we are going to throw some questions at you, and you'll have approximately one minute to answer each one. If you take too long, Peter will buzz you. Just like that. And we'll move on to the next question, so the pressure is on. Uh, each one is designed to give us a little chance to learn more about you and what you've done and your organization, and we're going to kick things off with Peter. So mine's a softball. So so what is Sphere? Can, can you tell us a little bit about the company? Sure. So I have a minute, so I'm going to talk fast. Uh, we are a, a cybersecurity company, and we provide uh, software and services to deal with the access control nightmare uh, that a lot of large regulated uh, companies are, are struggling with. So uh, we work with a lot of big banks who have uh, pretty stringent regulatory requirements along with internal audits, all centering around access governance. And it's, it's pretty massive now. And what we've learned to do is uh, we learned how to automate all of the heavy lifting that goes into collecting and normalizing the data to be able to provide dashboarding to show enterprise risk, but also drill down into the very specific uh, access control issues that these companies are experiencing. So we're kind of unique. We, we are a services company that also provides software to help with this very pesky problem of permission sprawl. And by the way, feel free to take more time on the first question and then less time on the second. You're, how you use your five minutes is up to you. I'm a New Yorker. I could talk a lot. Okay. <laughs> you got to be careful. <laughs> now, Rita, uh, you are a founder of the company, and I'm always curious when we get to interview founders on like you know how they ended up where they are. And I know in the past you worked at Lehman, uh, Lehman Brothers, which is – uh, some uh, a company many of us are aware of because of their uh, very public bankruptcy they went <laughs> through. Uh, did, did that experience did contribute to where you are now, or was it something else that made you say, I, I should found this company, I've got a great idea? 
That's a great question. So a hundred million percent, yes, <laughs> that is the reason I started my company. So uh, I worked at Lehman Brothers all on the technology side, not on the business side. I always say I had nothing to do with uh, mortgage-backed securities, <laughs> uh, all on the tech side. And I was put on a SWAT team where we essentially had to desegregate all of their data. So imagine almost overnight, you had all these entities that bought parts of the Lehman umbrella, Nomura and Barclays, Neuberger, Berman. And we had to figure out almost overnight how to take a hundred plus year old company, very centralized infrastructure and figure out who gets what. And we had to use the tools that we already deployed, uh, analytics and algorithms that we had to develop and come up with almost on the fly uh, to be able to figure out how do you split apart all of these technology assets? So when I started Sphere, honestly, it was to go to the big banks and say, hey, I have some really interesting experience doing deep data analytics. Um, over time, obviously, the CISO organizations became a lot larger and had a lot more requirements. So we started to overlay security metrics um, alongside what we were originally uh, doing. And there came Sphere. Sounds awesome. Now, Rita, I've got it on good authority, and that good authority is your website, that uh, your sphere board cuts down remediation timelines by 50%, basically cuts them in half. Uh, how are you able to accomplish this? Yeah, that's a great question. So we were doing all of these projects by hand ourselves, right? So we started as a services company, meaning I, me, myself, and I <laughs> started the company. I was the janitor, the lawyer, the accountant, you name it. I did, I did it all on day one. Um, but as we kind of organically grew, we obviously brought on more people that, that know how to do this type of work. And um, we were doing it the old fashioned way, you know, pulling reports from all these different point solutions, trying to band-aid and puzzle piece them together to get some answers on what was the state of, of access controls in, in any environment. And um, then we were starting to remediate manually as well. So doing the most mundane activities of attaching spreadsheets to emails and sending them out, trying to track who responded and how, and then making the changes. And it was just so unruly. And we found ourselves like doing the same project over and over and over and over again for all of these big customers of ours. And we found that there were a lot of similarities in, in how you would deal with the data quality issues that all these companies had, how you would bring disparate systems together to answer the true question of, of what's the state of my access controls. And even that whole mess of being able to create reporting and distribute reporting and track the status, we learned that all of that could be done programmatically. So we started automating all of the heavy lifting that we were doing very repetitively. And our customers started to take notice of how we were providing the reports, how we were giving them weekly scorecards, and their auditors started to get used to it, and upper management started to get used to all the reports. And they would ask us questions like, okay, so when you're done with this assessment, how do we keep all of this reporting alive? We've committed to maintaining an evergreen state, so can we can we keep this utility that you have? Or when we were, you know, doing remediations and when, you know, 10 years ago, we were able to handle such a small fraction of their environment and now we can standardize all permissions across all their assets. They, they also started to ask questions like, okay, so when you're done with this big cleanup exercise, when you've standardized all of our permissions, what happens if a new issue pops up? How, how do we fix it in the same way that you fix this big tranche of problems? And we realized we were onto something pretty special here. And what we ended up 
uh, doing is we invested a lot of uh, time, resources, um, dollars into fully productizing our workflow and giving the capability to the customer to be able to also uh, perform these activities themselves and also give them the keys to be able to maintain an evergreen state. Because the reality is that entitlements and, and, and access controls are not static, they're constantly changing. And you have to be able to do this on a continuous basis. Well, you, you so were, that's what makes this different. You, you were right, Rita, that uh, yeah, we only got to three <laughs> of the five questions there. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> before, before. I think our last question is pretty important, though. It, it does seem so, like Okay, it. I will ask yeah. the last one then. Um, I like how the, she, like, program, programming things, I, this is what I learned, was like, as soon as you find yourself repeatedly doing the same thing over and over again. It's like, okay, it's time to make the computer do this for me. <laughs> but by the way, the only reason she started a company is because you can't have Lehman on your uh, resume and get hired. <laughs> As your last. She's yeah. like, I've got to create my own job. Yeah, yeah. Now, Smart. I think is what All right, so, so your bio lists uh, 1.2 million lines of code developed, 3.4 billion assets analyzed, but more importantly, 4,658 memes created. So you, mm -hmm. you guys are creating your own memes? What, what is your favorite? <laughs> That's a funny question. So, you know, obviously we're in cybersecurity, so there's so many really fun, silly, uh, you know, cybersecurity memes that, that float around. So my favorite is the one, and you've probably seen it. It's usually like a picture of a really cute dog on a couch, and it says something along the lines of, you know, someone figured out my password, now I have to rename my dog, or it'll be a picture of a cute little kid, you know, someone figured out my password, now I have to change my kid's name. And I, I like those. I think those are really fun and, and get the point across and uh, and allow us to, to laugh at laugh at it a little bit. Uh, I like the one where the guy is firing up Tor and his friend's like, what are you going on uh, Dark Whip for? He's like, I got to find my password. I forgot what it is. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm, I'm just not laughing because now I have to go change my password <laughs> and rename your dog. And yeah, and and the dog wouldn't do, but well, because yeah, they got a match. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump over to our next segment, our new segment. What grinds my gears? You know what really grinds my gears? This Lindsay Lohan. You know what really grinds my gears? You, America. We now go to Peter for you know what really grinds my gears. All right, Rita. So I'm told what grinds your gears is cloud security. Now that's a very broad area. So so what it is what is it about cloud security specifically that grinds your gears? Yeah, so in our world when I talk about cloud security, I'm talking about analyzing and remediating access control issues across cloud platforms. So uh, why is this now overwhelmingly uh, more important than ever? And it has to do a little bit with the pandemic. So, you know, we cater to large regulated industry, um, primarily financial services, and they were a little bit slow to the cloud journey. Uh, but obviously with the pandemic, it was full steam ahead. Everyone accelerated their efforts to get their folks and their staff on Office 365 and obviously that that led to lots of other cloud platforms uh, being put into the fold uh, of options of how how people can collaborate uh, internally and with their customers. So for me, you know, I'm seeing a massive effort um, to go to the cloud, but it's very much like a lift and shift model where you take the junk from one attic and simply bring it over to another attic. Uh, so what I think is very important is obviously we're all moving to the cloud, uh, but let's let's not forget that you have all of this data that's already out there. You have all these entitlements that already are out there. 
why don't we use this opportunity to organize and put the right standards in place and fix the problems as you're migrating the data? And what grinds me a little bit is that I think people still are, are dealing with it as an after, fact, after the fact activity um, when there is a prime opportunity to do it in transit. So that's kind of what grinds my gear, but you know what, that's okay because there are, are solutions out there that can help companies even post migration. So it, hours. <laughs> it's interesting you mentioned it because I, I I thought it was just a me thing, but apparently this happens in other places like where you get really excited to move to some new solution that's more secure, you know, has better features, whatever. But if you keep the old solution around as a legacy type solution, like maybe maybe I just need it because one day we might have to go and reference a record. Now mm. you're holding on to this like poorly secured or poorly implemented solution. So do you find that a lot with the companies you work with? Especially now, like with, with cloud, you know, the pandemic forced everyone to move really fast. And when it came to access control, it definitely started to sink in later. You know, you, as soon as the pandemic hit, everyone had to be at home, right? Everyone, everyone had to work from home. So these big banks, that's what they were focusing on, their networking teams, their cloud teams, everyone had to get everybody operational. But then what they realized is, okay, so... When everybody was in an office, these four walls of our office was a natural deterrent for people uh, not to do bad things, especially when they had access to things that they shouldn't have access to and are seeing data that they probably shouldn't be privy to viewing. Um, but now everyone's at home. They're on their living room couches. They're sitting at their kitchen tables and they're mad at the world and they're angry <laughs> and they're worried about getting laid off and everything's going through everyone's head child care issues you name it what a stressful time this is and was and probably will continue to be and that's not good um you already had poor access controls but now you've removed the idea that somebody's watching over your shoulder from the office down the hall so now it's like a mad scramble to fix all of this open excessive non-standard access that simply got transferred from your on-prem resources to your cloud platforms. And that's scary. It's funny, I, I've noticed that the people that are kind of holdouts from any kind of cloud solution are because they're kind of or untrustful of cloud. Like, well, if I put it up in there, what happens if they get breached? What, what happens if they lose my data? What happens if this, what happens? I'm like, what happens if you get breached? What happens if you lose your data? These are all like- And what's there a better chance of? Yeah, what, <laughs> right. What is, what is the statistical likelihood of one happening versus the other. And do you give yourself an SLA? <laughs> yeah. I got to think about that. Yeah, well, it, it's, it's interesting too, because, you know, th this concept of people having access to data, you know, it, it existed with on-prem resources, but people thought about it a little bit less. And now with the cloud, they're literally replicating the issue. And the cloud platforms, you know, they're not, Microsoft can't decide whether user A should have access to a group drive. It's, it's the business's decision, right? Um, so it's more important than ever, I think, to have all the tools in place to, to report on your entitlements and, and, and remediate issues immediately. And I think with cloud, the next handful of years, it'll be people focusing very much on that now that they've done the hard work of actually getting everything into the cloud or a lot of things into the cloud. If only there were a company that could help us with that. <laughs> That's me. Oh, that, that's that's me. Spe well, speaking of which, uh, I, I understand you've got some, some new product launches coming out or an update to the existing product. Is that right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. So we have a few things coming out. So we have uh, 5.5 of our product sphere board coming out. Uh, we're also, um, you guys are getting a little sneak peek, but we are going to market with a new concept called 
year soft serve. It's kind of like the ice cream software and services blended together. So I'm there's in. going to be <laughs> a lot of ice cream themed events, hopefully, um, this summer. If worst case, in, you know, out in, in, in the open outside. But uh, <laughs> yeah, this is the time for, for licking things. Yeah, <laughs> this is the best right? time, yeah. I think, for that. Who doesn't like ice cream? No, I, no, I love ice cream. Yeah, just don't share. So. <laughs> no, <laughs> mid-pandemic. Yeah. Everyone gets you gotta be a customer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're unveiling SoftServe, which is our our harmonious blend of of software and services, so automation of expertise, and that's coming alongside our 5.5 release of our product. Then on Thursday, we are doing our public launch of our partnership with ForgePoint Capital. Uh, so they did a large investment in Sphere to help us accelerate a lot of our strategic goals around. For example, expanding cloud coverage, looking at different cloud platforms, um, and also focusing a lot on building out a much larger, much more scalable managed service desk as well. Well, congratulations on that. That's a that's a big Thank deal. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. We're all very excited about it. It's a lot of fun. I bet. Yeah. Start spending that money. <laughs> Tesla's for everyone. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank well, you. Thank you so much for, uh, for taking the time to join us, Rita. We really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. And thank you, everybody, for watching. But stay tuned. we got more Technado with Don Pizzette coming up right after this quick break. Do you know what's better than being an IT Pro TV member? Being a member for free. Hi, I'm Don Pizzette, co-founder and edutainer here at IT Pro TV. Once you sign up for an IT Pro TV personal membership subscription, you'll automatically be part of our referral program. Then all you have to do is share your personal referral link and code with your friends and colleagues. Every time one signs up, you get money off your subscription. Sign up enough and your membership is free. That's right, access to all your favorite IT training, totally free. Kind of feels like stealing, doesn't it? Check out the link below to learn how to get your code and start sharing today. All right, welcome back to TechNado with Don Pizzette and thank you so much to Rita for joining us there and telling us all about Sphere Technology Solutions. But we have a lot of news to get to, a lot of fun stories and uh, just a, a teaser of a story coming up. All right, we'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> but first, our first article is from Tom'sHardware.com. Western Digital launches WD Green uh, SN350 M.2 SSD. Whew! So <laughs> I, I know the colors line up to kind of specific use cases because we we I think we gave away the the black uh, mm -hmm. gaming drive back uh, around Christmas time uh, at ITPR TV. But what is the green? for so uh you're, you're absolutely right so you got black for performance they've got red which are designed for network attached storage and they have green like these which are designed to be energy efficient at least that's what it was before in the spinning disc days the uh, western digital green drives were ones that would power down when they weren't being used and so in theory they consumed less energy they were also usually built a little more cheaply so they had a higher failure rate and they up until now haven't released any ssds as greens and i wondered about that like technically all ssds are really energy efficient so you don't really need green drives anymore but apparently somebody at western digital marketing disagreed and so they are launching the green line in ssds now so you can get an m2 ssd they are keeping up with the previous trend, though, in that the green drives are cheaper, uh, and that's because they're a little bit slower, but they're still like way faster than a, a spinning disk ever would be. So if you want to save a few bucks, you can get a terabyte one. The full retail is $99.99, which is a pretty yeah, decent price. Bad, yeah. You can probably get it cheaper when it's actually on Amazon or wherever, wherever else. And, Newegg, and this is an internal drive. 
Right, yeah. So okay. an M2 SSD is a little like exposed circuit board. So it would go inside your laptop or inside your desktop. Um, there are a few people who make external cages for these things, but they run really hot, so it's not a good idea. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that they've decided to give us the, the, the green SSD. As you <laughs> said, I like how marketing marketing likes to just say, hey, man, this is really... Um, a searched-for term, so we should make something that has to do with that. I guess it makes sense. Don't want to miss know. that train because they already had the blue ones, and blue were just the general use drives. So they already had the blue oh. ones that were out. Uh, and you know, I, I have a Plex server at home, and on my oh, Plex we've server, heard. I have. <laughs> well, there we go. So I've got I have one uh, too. Where's yours? <laughs> you left out. Yeah. I have two Western Digital Green USB drives attached to it. Yeah. That's what I use for storage because they only need to be spun up when you're watching a movie and the rest of the time they can idle down. So it's perfect for that. And so when I upgraded to SSD on that thing, I, I looked for green ones because that was just what I had. And so yeah. I, I bet that did result in enough searches that Western Digital decided to capitalize yeah. on it. Well, yeah. you did it, Don. You saved, uh, saved did, the earth. Did they go line. into any kind of like power actual like here are some hard numbers on how much less power this green ssd uses versus our blue ssd you know they that, don't that would be nice and i imagine they do that because it's not different i was gonna say <laughs> see there's that marketing hard at work again but it's Listen, a different stop, color stop with your your numbers and your statistics all that it's just <laughs> shut up and it's green asshole <laughs> <laughs> what, what if that was it like what if like yeah. printing the green label yeah. consumed less resources uh, than the blue label? you know what i would accept that as legit well no because it takes yellow and blue makes I'm green sure. i know that's that. right you need blue and colors. so yeah, yeah you're done this reminds me of like the the marketing <laughs> uh like case study that, that we learned about in, in school where it was like they have pregnancy tests, and if they market them next to the contraceptives, they can charge one amount. But if they market them next to, like, the family planning, like, I'm trying to start a, a family uh, section, yeah. they they charge, like, they're, like, twice as much. Same exact product, just a different box. Really? Because, hmm. uh, oh, man. And who See, knows if that's I, true? When I hear stuff like that, it just says to me, we like manipulating you. Yeah. Well, now, I, I did learn, I, so forever ago, like, if you wanted to buy a watch battery, yeah. right? You know, if you had a watch that had removable batteries, uh, if you went to Walmart or Target, if you went to their jewelry department, the batteries are way more expensive than they were in the electronics department. So that's see. been around, I suppose. Yeah, I know. It's just, you know, you got customers out there. Treat them right. <laughs> be, just be good to them. You know, you know they got a watch battery. Crazy. Don't talk. have two places you can buy watch batteries, and you get one for just because you walked twenty more feet. You get to save some extra money. Just sell the stinking thing at the right price and be done with it. But they've got to get your social media profile oh, oh and your demographic data. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> not, I'm getting out of that works. game. Anyway, sorry, great. sorry, we ruined it for everybody, mm -hmm. but that's what we do. All right, our next article is from NetworkWorld.com. HPE intros SSD replacements for 10K RPM HDD server drive. So apparently this is um, hard drive day. <laughs> That's here right. At Technado. So, what's this one all about, Tom? I, I think there actually was like an electronic show or whatever where several of these companies yeah, rolled out new storage. Drives, yeah, yeah. That, that's why we have two. Uh, this one I thought was kind of funny. Uh, HPE, Hewlett Packard Enterprise, they uh, you know, are the the kind of branch of HP that split off a couple of years ago. So they are an independent company. Uh, and they're the ones who sell the ProLiance servers that you'll find in many, many data centers that are out there. Uh, they have had SSD or solid state storage for servers for many years. So it's not a, a new thing. But now what they're doing is they're actually going back and saying, hey, if you've got a server that has 10K RPM or 15K RPM spinning disks in it, 
we're releasing SSDs specifically for that, that you can just swap out. You don't have to upgrade your server. You don't have to change the backplane. You just pop in these new drives and you get the advantage of SSD. Uh, tons and tons of advantage for that. Like, uh, you know, a 15,000 RPM drive, that sounds really fast, but even the cheapest, crappiest SSD is going to be like eight times faster than that. So you get a significant speed increase just by moving to SSD. Uh, SSD will generate about the same amount of heat as a 15K drive, so not really a heat difference. Uh, it will consume less energy. Accessing an SSD is way more efficient, even without a green label on it. So there's plenty of reasons to do it. One thing that HPE did not announce was a price, and you can basically count on these things being exorbitantly expensive, uh, which will negate any energy <laughs> savings that you'll get. Uh, but they're officially supported by HPE, which means it'll maintain your warranty and support agreements and all that. So uh, it is important to know if you've got ProLiant servers that are out there with spinning disks, you do have an option to be able to convert them and stay supported. Now, see, that is a marketing campaign right there, right? We saw a problem. There was an issue. We're going to try to give you an option to solve this that actually does something mm -hmm. and gives you some benefit for doing it. Might be a little more expensive, but you don't have to do it all up front, right? You can kind of piecemeal as you go, replace those old spinning disks with these lovely new SSDs. You save money in the long run. You might not get it right out of the gate, yeah. but eventually it will bring back a return on that investment, and bam, that's what I'm talking about right there. That's innovation, baby. I love it. <laughs> innovation with older technology, that's but right. it's, it's all good. People are hanging on to stuff. Stop, <laughs> stop attacking marketing. Someday you'll need us. No. Because what if you got to, the, to no. the store and you didn't know which toothbrush four out of five dentists recommended? Here's what I've learned as... I want to know where this is going. Right. Here's what I've learned <laughs> is the more you try to market something, the more people kind of like push against it. The more you just kind of come out and try to like be organic and just move. I get it. I'm pissing all over your, your livelihood over there. <laughs> Paychecks still clears. Uh, yeah. Millions of that. Budweiser drinkers disagree. I'm not <laughs> yeah. saying that marketing is ineffective. I'm saying that the modern marketing, or at least some marketing techniques, are kind of shady and yeah. and, okay. and pushy. And people see right through that veneer. Don't don't go down that road. Oh, as a quality teams. marketing professional, there you go. See? I yeah, I hate those people more than anyone. <laughs> you do. That are different. They give you a me. bad name, don't they? Yeah, because that I'm not like that. I do project my hatred toward those kind of marketing mm -hmm. strategies towards you, but. Just know it's in good fun. They do it because it works. What's a what's a little vitriol between friends? <laughs> Speaking of which, head over to go.itpro.tv slash technado for 30% off uh, that's coupon right. code there. But we'll get to that later. But that's actual value. That's not that's like true. a pretend value. Like putting a green label. You can go to our green website. It'll cost you just $2 more, but it's yeah. green. I promise we don't mark up the price 30% before giving you that coupon there code. There you go. See? <laughs> Now, if someone finds out that you've been doing yeah. that, you are in deep shoe see, the, shoe. The people just listening can't see me wink. <laughs> so it's the internet wink. That's yeah. why. You that's why Dodd's to, his shirt is always green, right? He's, He's got, got the watch green shirt on YouTube. This is an environmentally that's friendly right. shirt, that's right, right here. here. That's what it is. He yeah. saves. He saves all our Technado viewers money. I got this shirt somehow from Greta Thunberg. <laughs> and <laughs> I hope you're watching this uh, podcast in dark mode, yeah. which also <laughs> saves time. I just like dark mode better. Yeah. That's easier on the eyes, easier you know. It doesn't like it's not so because you're emo. That's yeah. that's what that's we what it is. that's what we've led you to believe from. Marketing. <laughs> I'm go listen to My Chemical Romance and, and buy yourself. A, yeah, <laughs> and then buy a green drive. Marketing is putting out a whole new operating system where the only change is it has dark mode. Yeah, now. <laughs> you mean Apple? Yeah, yeah exactly. Apple would do a whole yeah, new product yeah, line. No doubt. It's like Big Sur. Plus, it's another two hundred dollars for this if you yeah. want that dark mode. Well, not free. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our next article is from theregister.com. 
Dev creeped out after he fired up Ubuntu VM on Azure, was immediately approached by a canonical sales rep. And so this is something that people always talk about with like the Alexa and, and Google Home devices that, oh, I w or even their phones, that I, I was thinking about getting a new car and then all of a sudden I'm, I'm seeing these targeted ads. Uh, <laughs> you know, how are they, how do they know this? But this one doesn't seem like a, a coincidence. Okay, so this one is, is absolutely not a coincidence. Okay. And it, it kind of goes back to what Daniel said in our interview earlier, like some people don't trust the cloud. What if it gets breached and so on? Well, a developer fired up an Ubuntu virtual machine in Microsoft Azure in their cloud service. And almost immediately, like within a, a, a matter of, of, of minutes, got a phone call from an Ubuntu sales rep, from Canonical is the company that owns Ubuntu, from a Canonical sales rep. Uh, and the sales rep actually said, where's the quote? Um, that He said something along the lines of, hey, I, I see that you have brought up an Ubuntu virtual machine. Well, by saying it that way, this developer thought, well, does that mean they can see all the virtual machines? Is Canonical a third-party company? Do they have full visibility into my Azure account? That's not right. It does seem like it. And and it, it seems like it because it's true. <laughs> <laughs> and so what's actually happening is Microsoft and Canonical have actually partnered up really tight over the years. If you use uh, WSL, the Windows subsystem for Linux, that virtual machine and virtual environment is almost entirely developed by Canonical. And that's why Ubuntu is the default operating system for WSL and, and why we see it that way. So they are in a real tight partnership. And Microsoft has an agreement that whenever Ubuntu virtual machines are spun up, some of the telemetry and data about those machines are shared with Ubuntu. And under their contract, it's done for the reasons of tech support and supporting the customer and, and being able to make sure the licensing is handled properly because you know Ubuntu has paid support. So they need to be able to validate that install and provide the appropriate support for it. But in this case, one of the representatives, they, yeah. they kind of broke two rules. So one, it was a sales call, which is not approved in Microsoft's agreement with Canonical. So that's a big no-no. And the second thing was they said, I see, and I'm doing air quotes for our listeners, <laughs> I see you just spun up an Ubuntu machine. Well, they didn't actually see that. They didn't have visibility into the account. They got a message from Microsoft saying... You know, this identifier just came about for this particular customer that, you know, maybe Ubuntu already has in their database. And so that's what kind of created that that contact trail. So it's not it's not exactly as nefarious as it sounds, but it is a bit of a breach of trust. Yeah. That guy then threw acid on his phone. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I'm sure this is an isolated incident. Yeah. And they yeah. don't do that all the time. But I mean, it, that does come back to, you know, in, in, in marketing, we can we have tools where we can see. Yes, you're on our website right now. Here's your IP address. So it's probably this company and you're in our database. And so I could pick up the phone and call that person right now and say, hey, I, I see you're interested in, in this particular service. Well, that's just creepy. That's just going to turn yeah. people off. You, you yeah. shouldn't do that, even though you have the power to. It's just it's just wrong. So, you know, there's a lot of websites that capture information about you, like what website you came from before coming to this one and what website you're going to afterwards. And and we might say, well, that company is trying to track my browsing history, Right. But then yeah. when you think about the intent <laughs> of how they're going to use that data, this is where things start to get to be a gray area, right? So, for example, like for, for our Technado website, let's say we wanted to advertise the Technado podcast somewhere, right? What would be a good website to advertise on? I don't know. Let's go look at what websites our viewers are coming from. And then that would be a good place to advertise. Or what websites do they go to after us? That would be a good place to advertise. So that's kind of a, a, a good, positive reason of why we might I, want that information. I guess it's the, you've got that balancing act of, 
we're not we're not trying to use this for nefarious purposes. We just want to make sure we get you the right, you know, and, and look for the right pool of people that would want or be interested in what we're doing versus we're creating profiles. Yeah. You know, we're profiling people where we're trying to create psychological profiles, emotional profiles, and that way what can I do with that? Well, I can sell the hell out of that shit. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's going to be awesome. That's where people start feeling that violation of privacy. Well, so it, I hear use tails, uh, burner phones, mm-hmm. email addresses for every new account. <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, if Canonical used that data right now, they'd see that people are leaving their site and going right to the Better Business Bureau <laughs> website and filing uh, a report. So. This yeah. is why I like those ideas that, you know, the virtual like debit cards where you can create a debit card which only has the exact amount of money on it mm-hmm. and then use that to sign up for whatever platform. It uses the money and then it can't continue to bill you, but you were able to go through all the paywall and everything. <laughs> And then it's gone. That is one of the advantages of like Apple Pay yeah. and uh, Android Pay. What do they Google call theirs? Pay Google Pay. Is. Uh, is that each transaction uses a separate number? So if somebody right. steals that transaction, it's not usable. But you know, for every positive use of this stuff, like Waze, the the mm. Waze app, it wants to know your location all the time. Right, it sounds pretty nefarious, but it's doing it because it's got to measure traffic and how long it takes to get from point A to point B. So it's a positive use. But for every one of those, there's like a hundred cases of abuses. It's crazy, and that's why we're in the world we're in. Well, we talked about that a, a few weeks back. We had a story about all the um, the things that that your phone apps were asking for permission to see. Mm-hmm. Where some of them were like, "Why do you need Facebook Messenger?" Yeah. Was yeah. through the roof. Oh, like all the things. My pie hole was like thirty eight percent of my traffic the I'm other sorry? day was tracking. And advertisements and all those. I was like, this is insane. Something wrong with your pie hole. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Our next article is from bleepingcomputer.com. Researcher hacks over 35 tech firms in novel supply chain attack. When you're actually hacking 35 tech firms, can you still say researcher? Yeah. You're not hacker then? So it's just depending. It's all about intent. Mm. Right? So it's like if you call somebody a hacker... That is a broad term, right? Mm-hmm. There is a, if people tend our media tends to use it very pejoratively, but Ooh, big word. Yeah, that's my yeah. that's my word of the nice. day calendar. You can oh. ask, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're a bad person. It could just be that they are looking for they're interested in how technology works and they want to see what it does and what can they make it do. They could also be doing a bit of that. It, it just depends. It's all about intents on whether or not they're a threat actor versus a researcher. I just freaked out a bunch of people listening in their car, by the way. I apologize. I got warrants. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and with this type of attack that that the researcher found, uh, you know, basically it was a little bit different for each of these 35 firms. So it was kind of just recycling one attack but customizing it each way. So let's talk a little bit about how this attack worked. Uh, so there are many people out there that are developing in JavaScript and using Node.js. Well, Node.js uses a a package manager and repository system called NPM. NPM, I think, stands for Node.js Package Manager. And with NPM, there's a centralized repo, a public repo that everybody in the world can see, and you can pull down packages if you want React or whatever. You can pull it right out of the NPM repository, and off you go. Well, companies use that. Big companies, Facebook, Microsoft, Google, they, they use NPM, and they pull uh, public packages down from it. But you can also create private repos, and in those private repos, you can have packages that are only available to you internally, not available to the public. Well, many companies do that, and I'll use, uh, I think Facebook was one of them, but we'll use, who are we going to pick on? Let's pick on Microsoft. So Microsoft, Microsoft did that. So they used the public repos, and they had their own internal private ones. Well, many of their projects, they would publish on uh, GitHub, because Microsoft owns GitHub. 
And what the researcher found was that they could look at the repos in GitHub and identify package names that were internal to Microsoft. Now, they couldn't get the packages. They could just see what the names were. And what the researcher found was if he created a public package with the same name, that NPM, for whatever reason, prefers the public repo over the private repo, which is not the way security works, but that's how NPM was configured. And so the researcher was able to create malware packages or at least just packages that phone home and drop them into the public repo and they match the same name as what was used internally. So the next time a Microsoft employee ran an NPM update, it would pull this malware package down and run it internally. It would phone home out through their system and now the researcher was in. This same attack worked on Microsoft, Apple, PayPal, Shopify, Netflix, Yelp, Tesla, Uber, and countless others that all use this um, and it affected not just NPM, but PyPy, Ruby Gems, and a couple of others. I was waiting for so. you to say that because I, I was, <laughs> I was wondering how you pronounced that one. I was like, PP. I'm notorious for pronouncing things wrong, but that one I've been staring at. Now the researcher was doing this through Hacker One, and so all of these companies had signed up on Hacker One to say yes, you're allowed to test against this. So this was all on the up and up, and received varying amounts of bug bounty. I think the biggest bug bounty got was $40,000 from Microsoft. That was from Microsoft. Yeah. Uh, but then it, it kind of dropped down with others. So all said and done, they've gotten $130,000 in bug bounties so far, and there's still more that are coming in. But from one type of attack, that's great. Because right. you yeah. figure something out and say, hey, the, all these other people use it. They're all on Hacker One. Oh, man, you know that that researcher was like, Oh, hell yes. <laughs> well, now there is some debate over this. I'm curious what your opinion is, Daniel. That, okay. Uh, some people frown on this. They say that it's it's bug bounty shopping, that technically the problem is in NPM, right? Like NPM gotcha. shouldn't prefer a public repo over a private repo, but Microsoft is now paying for it and Facebook and Yelp and all these people are paying for a mistake that's not really theirs. Well, I mean, I, I guess the argument would be made that it is, I, and maybe it is theirs, right? Because Microsoft developed a code that reaches into public repositories and uses them, or uses private repositories that allows uh, an issue to be. So they're they're not doing their proper security uh, evaluations and saying vetting oh, the technology. Yeah, is this going to be secure? We're using a third party because you got to remember security is as much about your third party. Uh, uh, relationships as it is your own. Like if I'm developing software or whatever, I must also vet my cloud provider, any other third party that I'm using. Now, obviously they weren't able to discover and a, a myriad of different high um, visibility companies were unable to discover this. This researcher was, was able to do that. And then they just game the system and said, hey, this is how it's set up. Whether or not that's right or wrong isn't my problem. My problem is I was able to make $130,000 off of that. Y'all figure it out. And when you change the rules, I'll follow those. Yeah. And the, the package in this case, it, it actually had it like specifically written in there that it said, this package is meant for security research purposes and does not contain any useful code. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then that's when people would download it, it would do a DNS lookup. And that was they how he was able to hit. see it yeah. phoning home. Yep. I'll tell you what, if they really wanted the game, they should have... They should have also submitted that to this repository saying, hey, you guys have got a problem with like an open, uh, how, how this works. Give me some money for figuring that out. It's a double dip, right? Yeah. Get the companies that are using it and the repositories that are providing well, it. This guy is like not just double, but like quadruple. <laughs> yeah, super dip. Yeah, what's the yeah. word for 35? Yeah. 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 Do we got <laughs> 35 a word? Dipped. Yeah. 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 And and one of the companies even responded, I forget which one, where they, they did a, a lower number. I think it was like, 
two thousand dollars or whatever, yeah. and they said we're we're gonna pay on this, but it's not really our problem. It's actually a well, bad I design. I mean, th- that kind of just comes from each each program has the ability to give you the value of what they think that that's worth. Like, how bad would that impact? So when you write a report for a bug bounty and you submit that to a program, you have to prove some sort of like value to them. And you're looking for those P1s, which are like the highest level. Um, and sometimes you get that. But just because you got it from Microsoft doesn't mean that Netflix sees it as as big of a problem as Microsoft does. They might say, yeah, that impacts us, but I don't think that that's a high impact. So we're going to load that down to like a P3. So you get two grand yeah. and a T-shirt. And you well, know. after the first one too, you can, you can almost argue like inevitable discovery. Like, okay, we would have figured this out when Microsoft said, "Hey, we yeah. we fixed this because oh, we do that too." So yeah, that's- but ultimately, it's up to them whether they say that that's super impactful to their business or not, or whether they yep. think that's that that's their risk assessment, and you get you kind of, as a bug bounty hunter kind of got to live off of that. Well, good on them for catching that. All right, our next article is from ZDNet.com. Yandex said it caught an employee selling access to users' inboxes. I got warrants. The Russian, <laughs> the Russian company, what uh, said the employee sold access to four thousand eight hundred and eighty-seven user email accounts. And so I wonder if that was like to one person he sold them all to, or you know if he's marketing mm-hmm. them individually yep. to family members. And so are they green? <laughs> <laughs> if you're if you're not familiar with it, Yandex is one of, if not the largest email provider in Russia. So think of it as like Hotmail or um, uh, Gmail or, yeah. or whatever. Uh, that is is allegedly not state run, but <laughs> is a, a huge email <laughs> provider. And what they experience is one of the things that we dread with any type of cloud service or software as a service that we use, which is one of their employees who was a admin on the system who had rights to access mailboxes as a result of his role as a person who did tech support was selling access to mailboxes. So you could go to this individual and pay a certain amount of dollars or rubles or whatever. And in exchange, <laughs> I don't think ruble they're doing that. Is the Russian Are currency. they still doing that? Yeah, yeah, they're okay. not in the EU or anything. No, yeah. <laughs> so you could you could spend you know a couple thousand Putins and then, <laughs> and then he would you know basically provide you access to that mailbox through whatever means he he had or, or she. I don't think they ever actually say uh, about the person. I like how tech support in Russia is basically like an entrepreneurial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know this particular one happened in Russia, but you, you could see this happening domestically, and, and I know there have been cases of where a I, I think it didn't. Yahoo had it where there was yeah. a, a Yahoo employee who was digging through people's mailboxes and looking for pictures and stuff. Oh yeah, and, they love that stuff. Man. Yeah, so it, it happens, and this is just another case of it, and it goes to show why it's so important. If if you want truly secure email, it's got to be encrypted before it makes it to the mail server. You can't rely on your email service to do the encryption. C Templar, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, because it's out of Iceland. I, I believe it's Iceland. Iceland has like a huge, they're they're huge privacy advocates. So they uh, C Templar forty ninety six bit encrypts emails end to end plus the subject line. It's all encrypted. You're the one that has the encryption key. If you lose it, yep. guess what? <laughs> and that way, if one of their tech support personnel decides to sell your mailbox, they the emails nothing. are already encrypted, right. right? And I think doesn't Proton Mail do that? Proton Mail is very similar. They're, I don't think they're quite because they are they are U.S. based. 
So they might still yeah. be like, if they were subpoenaed for emails, they could still hand them over. And what, what was the one? Edward Snowden's mailbox was on. It was like Lava Mail or something. Oh, Do you remember that? Remember. I, yeah. I, I can't remember the name of it. But they, they had the problem of they had the encryption keys. And right. they got subpoenaed, and yes. they just chose to shut down as opposed to it. Oh. But the government ended up getting the keys. Oh, as so, they do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's how it what works. Was That's, well, that, that was like part of the reason. I, 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 start, I opened a C Templar account. I had to – there is free uh, levels uh, or free tier for C Templar, but you had to like personally request it and not just, hey, here's a sign-up form, put in a username and, and whatnot – and now here's your free account. Go ahead and access. I had to actually email them and say, hey, I'm interested in your service. think it looks great. And then them give me like an invite code so that I could sign up for it. And you just had to send a picture of your driver's license that was to it. validate and your identity. So security number? I was like, <laughs> heck yeah, this is super secure. <laughs> That's a joke, by I, the yeah, way. Yeah, I made it that last part. <laughs> yeah. uh, and LavaBit was the Lava company Bit. that went out gotcha. of business. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have to be part of the Knights Templar. Yeah, the Knights Templar. I to get that. They, they, uh, I remember their, I was reading their website, and they were talking about how they do not participate in the Five Eyes um, privacy, anti-privacy thing. Where, yeah. Uh, because you know I'm in the U.S., so the government technically can't spy on me because I'm a U.S. citizen without a warrant. But the Australians but can. They, they can do it all day long, <laughs> and they go, hey, Australia. What you got on that, Daniel? <laughs> got anything we, good? We didn't get it. Yeah. Oh, there someone dropped a box full of Daniel's stuff here. <laughs> I had to look through it to make sure it was about him. Seems legit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a fun time out there in the yeah. internet, ladies and gentlemen. It's a good time to be alive. Good luck. <laughs> All right. Well, that sounds horrible. And thank you for sharing that. Our next article is actually from our WTF segment. So here goes. So, oh, still going. Yeah, there it goes. That's a good intro you got yeah, there. It's a little long. <laughs> uh, so our, uh, it's a stretch to call this tech news, but it's too good of a story <laughs> not to talk about. It uses technology. It, yeah. yeah, I saw this story on the internet, so tech yeah. right there. Man, it's amazing. So the headline from bbc.co.uk is, I'm not a cat. <laughs> lawyer uses Zoom filter by mistake. And so if you haven't seen this, a lawyer joins... An actual hearing, this is the 394th Judicial District Court uh, hearing, and he has a cat filter where his it, uh, the mouth moves with his mouth and the eyes move with his eyes, um, but he looks like a cat. And the, the best line in the whole video, if you haven't watched the video, is, is him assuring the judge that he is not, uh, in fact, a cat, <laughs> um, as that was, was an issue. But yeah. Uh, Daniel and I were talking about this ahead of time, and I feel like, as the client, at first you're embarrassed, but then you realize you've got built-in appeal yep. of in- insufficient counsel. So I think I think you're set. I I was uh, I was complaining about this before the show because it, it, it kind of went viral. It was all over the place. Yeah. But I the first time I saw it, I didn't think it was very funny, and it was because I I think I had an emotional. Like, I was just putting myself in the position of whoever this guy was defending, and thinking like <laughs> if I was that person, I'd be thinking, man. I'm paying this attorney, and this attorney's an idiot. <laughs> and so, so uh, I, I yeah. love how they have like a block quote in the article. Quote: "I am not a cat." <laughs> Rod Ponton, lawyer. I mean, that's one of the great lines of the year, though. But uh, I, I think this actually does bring up a uh, a legitimate thing that people need to remember: is that when you log off of a Zoom call, when you log on to the next Zoom call, 
that filter, that background is there. So if you, hey, me <laughs> and the and the boys have uh, poker night on Wednesdays now, and, and we play poker over Zoom, and uh, you got you the know. digital casino background. Yeah, I got this yeah. thing, and then you log into your your morning meeting yeah. and go, oh crap, because yeah. I'm I, a horrible. Gambler. I did that once. I had the I had the Ghana uh, coffin dancers behind me. Oh, did you really came into a meeting? That's I mean, it was funny. You know, at our That's company, here, so they don't care. care. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it was like, oh yeah, I I was doing that last night. You know, some interesting tech details did come out of this because after it went viral, a lot of people were looking to get that cat filter to use it. Oh, I bet. Uh, and it's very hard to find. And the reason it's hard to find is that that cat filter was pre-installed on Dell computers 10 years ago. Oh, really? And so the the logical leap we get to make here is that that attorney was using a computer that Just is likely out of date <laughs> yeah, and probably no longer supported by Microsoft. You know what would be awesome is if he was having like a, a legal you know, proceedings with the Texas law hawk as his opposition. <laughs> Texas law hawk. If you guys don't know the Texas yeah. law hawk, you are absolutely welcome. Go ahead and Google search that because that's fine. Do you have that on the soundboard? I don't know. Just looking to <laughs> yeah, but I have. That's... By the way, this one's not on the soundboard. I have these two cat paws from Walgreens. Uh, check it out at walgreens.com. Yeah. Cat paws. <laughs> are, I've gotten way more use out of those than I expected I would yeah. over the years. But yeah, this this is a mess. I, I I I do assume someone maybe made the filter then after the fact because I saw a thing where uh, where a whole uh, law class like of law students came the next day to their class as that. Hmm. But so maybe maybe they've released it since then or something. But uh, he still doesn't like when that dude what was it Swalwell or whatever he like ripped a huge wet fart. Oh. Uh, on, <laughs> like you can hear that oh no <laughs> How does it, zoom has a microphone yeah. what plus i need a wet nap <laughs> <laughs> it should it, it, zoom should really come up with a filter yeah for yeah. yeah 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 can, can you that. find the fart tones and then like drop it? <laughs> yeah like, yeah uh, like they uh, like some sort of <laughs> do you remember that south park episode? the brown, the brown note? note yeah, yeah the brown note. <laughs> it was like the brown note occurs between <laughs> yeah uh, here, frequencies. So filter uh, yes. filter that frequency on, we can put a man on the moon you can't keep my farts <laughs> out of my zoom meeting <laughs> otherwise this whole meeting is going to be a mess uh, literally all right all right well uh, i've got a couple <laughs> webinars coming up the next one is not on here <laughs> uh, not on the page that I'm on, but we just uh, had one about navigating the future project management. But you're doing one, Daniel. Man, I, I next, got right? webinars coming out of my ear. The next webinar I'm doing is with Adam. We're doing like a blue team, red team. How do you, you know, which which way do you want to go? And if you do, how do I get started in that? What is a basic, intermediate, and advanced skill sets cool. look like? So pick yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah pick, pick a side, side, red team or blue team, and that's taking place on Thursday, uh, the 25th of February at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Go red team. <laughs> for, for a red team there we got a really weird email the other day uh, uh about our notification about that webinar where i i assume the person misunderstood red team and blue team to think they were they were political uh. it, it was a doozy but, uh, <laughs> i'll read that it was to you. A doozy. so be ready for some weird questions yeah. at the webinar daniel All right. uh but head over to itpro.tv slash webinars and you can check that one out and sign up for that and also see all the past webinars and uh, check out those in the archive and while you're on that internet head over to go.itpro.tv slash technado there you can get a 30 percent off coupon code for the lifetime of your personal plan and you can also uh, request a team trial and see all the great features available for teams on it pro tv as well again that's go.itpro.tv slash technado 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 <laughs> I, you may have been thinking about that, Technate.do. Yeah. 
By the way, we're working on Technado stickers, so more oh, information cool. to come on that nice. soon, as well as the new Technado website, which will be uh, out soon as well. Well, thank you to Rita uh, today, and thank you, you guys. Thank you to Cat Lawyer. Um, Texas Lawhawk. Texas Lawhawk. <laughs> Again, yeah, if you haven't checked that out, YouTube, uh, go search for that on YouTube and enjoy that. Is that... Was he the guy with the sledgehammer too, or is that a different one? I don't remember him having a sledgehammer. Okay. I just remember, I just remember him being, the hawk. Yeah, right. over and over. Yeah, again. I think he's been featured on, on like John Oliver. It was extremely yeah, like it had its moment in the sun, but it was just super funny. All right, all right. Well, thanks everybody for joining us, and we'll see you next week right here on Technado with Don Bazette.